Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yep, 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 yep. I'm just sitting here going through my NFL mock drafts. It's that time of year uh, again. Uh, we all love it, and as much as we, uh, you know, sometimes have to laugh at some of the mock drafts or shake our heads or scratch our heads or uh, wonder what the heck is that guy thinking about or that gal thinking about, um, we're all susceptible to it. Uh, we all do our own mock drafts. Uh, we all look at all the mock drafts that are out there uh, as if it has anything to do uh, with anything. Uh, but it's 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 that time of season, and we embrace that. We love it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We want your calls, 702-365-9200. Uh, and I, I tweeted right before we came on the air today um, – uh, because it seems like the trend that I've been seeing, at least in some of the mock drafts that I've been looking at most recently, is that uh, the Raiders might be leaning more toward in that first round, at least on the mock drafts. We don't know what the Raiders are thinking. Um, we don't know what John Gruden uh, has going on in that uh, in that head of his and, and Mike Mayock as well. Uh, what direction they're going to take in that first round, I, I think – I'm suspecting uh, that they'll probably go offensive line because that's such a glaring hole right now at right tackle. Uh, but we don't know. Um, some of the some of what I've been seeing lately is a lot of emphasis and a lot of leaning toward uh, best play, best defensive player available. And I've seen in some mock drafts them taking Micah Parsons uh, from Penn from Penn State, the the fabulous linebacker from T- Penn State that he didn't play last year, but. Uh, when he was on the field in 2018 and 2019, he was a dominant player. And, um, you know, there's a couple of red flags uh, out there about him, uh, which w- could result in a player that's probably a, at least, very least, a top five, top ten uh, caliber talent maybe falling to number 17. I don't think there's any way if if Michael Parsons was there at 17, the Raiders wouldn't be seriously interested in pulling the trigger uh, on him. That's t- That's – if he's there, uh, and that's a huge if. He is really, really good. And at number 17, I'm not so sure uh, that he's going to fall all the way uh, there. But, um, you know, there, there's, uh, there's, there's J.C. Horn, the um, cornerback from South Carolina. There's Patrick Sertain, uh, the, the cornerback from Alabama. Does he fall uh, at, to number, number 17 with the Raiders? Uh, think about taking another cornerback in the first round uh, as they did last year. Um, when they drafted Demont or Damon, I keep saying Demont, uh, Damon Arnett uh, from Ohio State uh, with the 19th pick overall. Um, Jalen Phillips, the defensive end from Miami, who just had an incredible workout uh, at the University of Miami. There's some concerns, obviously, with um, the concussions, and I think I just read that um, he uh, was test- he tested positive for COVID-19. All uh, thoughts and prayers uh, with with Jalen that he, that he um, you know is okay from that. Uh, but bigger issue uh, is the concussions that uh, that plagued him throughout his career. Where he is he in terms of all that? Um, there's uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromara from uh, Notre Dame, the linebacker from Notre Dame, playmaking uh, linebacker from Notre Dame, who's kind of projected to go in that 16 to maybe 25 range. Quiddy Pay, the defensive end from Michigan, uh, is somebody that um, you know could be there. Caleb, uh, Caleb Farley, Farley from Virginia Tech. A lot of people think that he is the best uh, defensive or, or cornerback in this draft, and there's some pretty darn good cornerbacks. I just mentioned J.C. Horn, and I just mentioned um, – Patrick Sertain, but a lot of people think Farley is the best uh, cornerback in this draft. So if you're the Raiders and knowing that you have uh, such a need at right tackle, uh, do you, with that first pick, go defense? Uh, We do know, we know this, that the Raiders, uh, based on last year, have a need for playmakers on defense. There's there's just no question about it. They were terrible in terms of forcing turnovers, forcing fumbles, interceptions, coming up with big sacks. Uh, they were very they weren't good getting teams off the field on third downs. Uh, all of that points to the need for a guys to get better. No no doubt about that. But also to to um, 
get playmakers, more playmakers onto that side of the of the field. I think they they believe that they have with Yannick Ngakwe, who they signed uh, as a free agent defensive end. Uh, they're hoping that you know Corey Littleton becomes more the player that he was with the Rams, and if so, that's a playmaker right there. But do you pull the trigger on a on a uh, Khalil Farley? Do you pull the trigger on a Micah Parsons or a Patrick Sertain uh, or a J.C. Horn? That's the question of the day. I think they're going to go tackle, and we'll go through some mocks that uh, I think Raider fans would really like um, if it played out like that. But first, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Frank from the Inland Empire, the IE, wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Frank? What's good, Brother Vinny? I'm doing really good. Thank you very much for asking. Hey, I just um, I, I I think unless something remarkable falls to the Raiders at 17, uh, the only guys to really go and really target around 10, you know, to 17 position would be Sertain or Parsons, you know, and and if they do get you know obtainable, you make a move. Other than that, I think that the the right tackle position is probably just the safest bet if they stay put, but at the same time. They might even be able to slide back a couple numbers and still, you know, obtain another pick in the second or third round and still get that that great, you know, right tackle. Other than that, you know, there's really no big playmakers that they need that's going to be there, uh, you know, around that area. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you look at what they did with the defensive line, um, I I think there's power in numbers. Uh, I think that they uh, have created – uh, obviously, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, he's a guy that I think I almost think that Raider fans are kind of forgetting about him, um, but he's a really good football player and is going to change the dynamics of that defensive line. If you would have said a year ago that the Raiders would have gone into last season after trading for Yannick Ngakwe, uh, I think Raider fans would be you know jumping up and down, uh, you know, uh, as, as happy as they can be because he's that kind of a player. And I think, you know, because of the year that he had last year, and it was a weird year for him, he played for three different teams through the course of that calendar year, and um, that's tough to do. And I don't think his numbers were up to snuff compared to what he normally does. But if he reverts back to what he normally does do, uh, the Raiders just got one of the premier uh, pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and But there's always a need. And, and what I really like about this defensive uh, coaching staff is they have the ability to be able to take a group of players and and you know let's say the Raiders did get Micah Parsons let's say they did get Jalen Phillips let's say they get did get uh, Caleb uh, Farley um, they would this this defensive staff knows how to put uh, players in positions to succeed they would figure it out. Um, you know, uh, I used to work for the Los Angeles Lakers, and, and Jerry West used to – I learned so much from him, the general manager of the Lakers, about just figure it out. Get as many good players as possible. Let the coaching staff figure it out. So while it seems like, you know, they may be set at defensive line, maybe they are set at linebacker, uh, bringing back all three guys from, from last year. Maybe they're set right now uh, with their starting cornerbacks. Um, but – you know, uh, I, I don't think they're, they're, that they're in a place right now if there's a premier player at any of those positions that pop up at number 17 that they're in a position to just say, no, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play it safe necessarily with that, with that right tackle. Although I do think um, that's the direction that they should go in. I think that they should get the, the right tackle. And, and just real quick, Frank, I'll throw this one at you. Um, uh, ESPN um, and uh, I, I'm just – drawing a blank on, on whose mock draft I'm looking at here right now, but uh, I will get you that in one second. Uh, Mel, uh, Mel Kuyper, uh, his latest mock draft, um, just want to run this by Raider fans to uh, see what you guys think, Frank included. Uh, they've got, he has the Raiders at number 17, taking uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, the offensive lineman from USC in the first round, number 17, played guard primarily at USC, but really came into his own last year playing left tackle. Uh, I think he could play, based on the projections, he can play both positions, but most likely uh, if the Raiders got him, he would be the starting right tackle to start it all off. Uh, and then in the second round at number 48, Richie Grant from the University of Central Florida. Um, that, that, that's kind of the blueprint that I'm looking at, tackle safety, tackle safety. Um, and depending on what tackle you, it is that, you're, that you have your eye on, uh, get that tackle at number 17 and then circle back to the safety at number 48. Uh, I'm throwing this out if, if Frank is still on the, uh, on the phone with me and to Raider Nation in general uh, listening, what would you think about that uh, scenario playing out? 
that's solid. I mean, that, that is a solid draft. That definitely is going to get the job done. Um, I, I just want to put two things out there. I, don't, yep. I haven't heard too many people talking about Craven. And secondly, I really believe that the, the change we're having Gus Bradley on is really going to unleash Solomon Thomas. I don't think people are really recognizing what that guy brings to the table. Sticking him in the middle with his explosiveness is really going to do wonders for not only Yannick, but also for, for Mac and also uh, Klee. They, they're going to break loose. That guy is an animal in the middle. Nobody's put him as, at, a, at a, free, a three technique yet. So having him in the middle uh, is going to be a game changer, and I think it's also going to help Hurst. But that other guy, I'm talking about Craven. Everybody's talking about, um, I can't pronounce his name. Oh, what do they call him? Oh, oh, okay, oh, um, uh, the other linebacker. From Notre uh, Dame? Yes, exactly. Just call him Jeremiah. Him. There you go. I like that. That's easy for him. Jeremiah. There you go. But, um, you know, talking about Craven, I mean, the guy is a, he's a little, he's a little, uh, he's big. He's not as Which fast. Which linebacker are we talking about, Craven? Which? Uh, 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 Craven, I think he's out of Tulsa. Okay, right, right. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Let me get his. So, uh... so, so now, now we're talking about the, the dynamic makers, and that's, that's my whole point. I mean, do we really have a difference maker? And the only true difference makers that would hang around for, for the Raiders at that, that period would be, you know, let's say a certain falls, or let's say for some reason because there's off-field issues, Parson falls. But, you know, let's look, let's talking about Craven. It's a, yeah, you're, 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 uh, you're referring to uh, Zaven Collins from uh, Tulsa. Collins. There you go, Zaven Collins. There you go. Exactly. Now, I mean, gosh, that, that is a game changer. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I guess the question is, if you're the Raiders, how good do you feel about where your linebackers are right now? I mean, you know, you're bringing back Corey Littleton. You're bringing back Nick Wachowski. Uh, you just re-signed Nicholas Morrow. Granted, I think Nicholas was on a one-year uh, deal, so... Um, it's the first time uh, that I recall since John Gruden got back uh, that he's bringing back all three of his starting linebackers, which is kind of crazy when you think about that. But um, in and of itself, I don't know exactly what it means, but at least there's continuity finally uh, at that position. And along those lines, I know the Raiders are very true, uh, true Vinny. But the thing is, can't, okay, last year they weren't good. So now we're hoping with the change of Gus Bradley, they'll be solid to good. But will they be great? You know, you put, I mean, we, we anticipate, you know, Littleton coming in and being a very, very good to almost great linebacker. Everybody else will be, God, will be very happy if they're good. But bringing in somebody, like you said, Collins, if bringing in somebody like him or bringing in like a Parsons and adding to that crew, wow, now that's a difference maker. Yeah, and I think Parsons, without question, if Parson is there, Parsons is there at number 17, um, it would behoove the Raiders to get involved in that because he's just too good. Um, yeah. I'd have to do a little bit more studying on uh, the, the Tulsa kid. I've, 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 uh, I've heard good things about him. I've, I've watched some film. He doesn't wow me, uh, you know, like, like Micah does, but there's a reason why uh, Collins is projected to go in the, you know, 1820s uh, and, and Parsons, if everything was, you know, copacetic with, with, with him and, and the red flags, uh, is a top five, top ten kind of a player. You can see the difference uh, in that. Um, so somebody like somebody like um, Micah, I think that the Raiders, regardless of what their needs are, starting, you know, trying to fill some starting holes, whatever the case may be, Micah Parsons is somebody you have to draft and figure it out because he's that good. Uh, and there's a chance, um, you know, that that he's going to be. You know, falling in that direction, um, we'll see. Uh, there, there are issues, and and, and the, you know, it's been talked about. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if 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 that causes him uh, to fall, and if he does, you know, would the Raiders pull the trigger uh, on a player of uh, you know that kind of a that kind of caliber? Uh, but also, you know, when you're talking about that defensive line, uh, a name that keeps coming up when I talk to uh, my Raider peeps uh, is Darius Phylon. Uh, who they signed uh, as a free agent as well, kind of a defensive tackle, uh, versatile player. Uh, who, when he was, when he's been on the field, he's been productive. There's a reason why uh, the Arizona Cardinals signed him. Um, you know, uh, after he had played for the for the uh, San Diego and Los Angeles Chargers, uh, he gave him a fairly decent contract. Had high hopes for him going into the 2019 season. There was an off-field incident. It's cost Darius 
two years of playing. Um, that's gotten resolved now, and uh, it's behind him. And now he's on the Raiders, and, and in talking to Raiders people, they're like, don't sleep on Darius Phylon. They feel like they have uh, a sleeper, and they also feel like they have somebody that is raring to go um, at, at, at that position after missing two years. Um, you know, when, when, when something gets taken away from you like that, uh, like it was Darius, and, and, and look, you know, he had a role in it, so uh, no apologies, uh, not trying to pass judgment on anything. Uh, but there was a role that he played in that in that you know um, uh, Jeremiah, uh, you know the, the, him not being able to play for a couple of years. So part of that's on him. But the point is, it's behind him, and now he's ready to go. And and you would think that he's ready to make up for lost time uh, by getting out there and and playing as well as he possibly can. Uh, also, and I mentioned this yesterday, and uh, this I, I I wrote a story that's going to be coming out. In, uh, I think it's on Wednesday. It's scheduled to run. Uh, excuse me, on on Thursday. Uh, but it's on Tanner Muse, and I had a chance to talk to Tanner Muse yesterday at length. A uh, very interesting conversation about um, you know where he is physically, what it was that he was dealing with uh, last year, and uh, the surgery that um, alleviated it. And he's raring to go now. And this is a guy um, who, you know, when 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 he was healthy at the scouting combine last year, this is a guy who ran a four three, four uh, four one, I think it was uh, forty, um, just was just a kind of a freak show at the uh, scouting combine last year at six foot two, 230 pounds, you know, running like the wind, uh, doing, you know, a, a whole bunch of great stuff athletically. And um, this toe issue that he had been dealing with since really in college, uh, and it was just kind of described to him as a turf toe injury that you know, basically just needed rest and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it never got to to a point where he couldn't play at Clemson. So he kind of gritted his teeth and played through it, um, took some time off after his senior year. Uh, everything seemed great. Uh, he goes to the combine and obviously, you know, uh, blew the roof off with uh, with his testing numbers and his athletic ability. So felt like, you know, he was completely behind uh, the, this issue only to get to training camp last year and almost immediately after getting on the field, uh, the issue, you know, reared its ugly head again. And it was just too much. And I can remember I told him this, like, oh, man, I was – I'm over there watching you on the sidelines going, hmm. Something's up, you know, because it, he didn't look like the player that he looked like on film without, you know, the, the athletic ability wasn't there. The burst wasn't there. The speed wasn't there. The suddenness wasn't there. He just looked on the slower side. And at first I'm thinking as I was watching him during training camp, well, you know, maybe this is a guy that's making the move from safety to linebacker and you know, maybe it's kind of weighing him down a little bit, all the thinking, uh, all the where am I supposed to be, what's this look, uh, what's my responsibility, um, you, know, uh, you know, when the offense is lined up uh, in that kind of formation. And keep in mind, he wasn't just learning how to play linebacker after playing safety in college. He was learning to play all three linebacker spots, all three of them. And as he said to me, he goes, you know, you have to at this level because – this ain't college where you got 120 players out there that you're rotating in and next man up, you know, next man, next man, next man. You could go really deep in a college depth uh, chart to go find an answer in case there's an injury. In the NFL, it's 53 dudes uh, and every spot is important. And so you have to know how to play all three of those spots if you're a linebacker, just as if you're an offensive lineman. Um, you know, lots of a couple, at least a couple of those guys have to know how to play guard and 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 tackle, and some of them need to play guard, tackle, and <laughs> center for that matter. So um, there's a lot of cross training training because you know holes need to be filled. So you know, I'm thinking when I'm watching Tanner last year, uh, all right, you know, he's just kind of weighed down because of uh, the new roles that he's learning, but even still, I'm like, ah, man. Something doesn't look right, you know, and, uh, and and so what he had told me was, well, you weren't the only one who noticed that, you know, the coaches did as well. And they're like, all right, what's up? And so uh, they finally figured out what it was that he was uh, dealing with. Uh, and, you know, there's a term for it, but basically it's the tendon uh, in your big toe. Uh, there's there's two bones in your big toe and uh, and there's tendon, there's a tendon that's attached to it. And uh, sometimes those become inflamed. 
Uh, and there's a term for it. And usually just rest is what ultimately um, saves the day. Uh, and, and, and so that's what they thought at first uh, would, would help with, um, with, with Tanner. But then they gave him a shot. There was an injection. Nothing worked. And so they finally figured out that the only thing that's really going to work here is surgery. And so they had to go into that toe. And this is very normal, so don't freak out. Uh, but they just take one of the bones out. They take the, the, one of those bones out, um, and, and you're good to go after that. And so uh, they, they ended up getting the surgery. He's good to go now. He's out. He's, he told me that he's been here in Henderson uh, all year long. I've uh, been very diligent about coming to work here at the facility, uh, which is where I am today, and um, and he's raring to go. And that's a guy that, you know, go look at what his stats were. At, I know he played safety, but at Clemson, what he's able to do athletically, the nose that he has for the ball, uh, his coverage attributes. He's somebody that I think is going to push for some playing time next year. And at the very least, he's going to do what they expected him to do right off the bat, which is be a heck of a special teams player. And that's something that you can't discount. Go look at Corey Littleton. That's the example that I always use. His first couple of years with the Rams, when there were other linebackers that were playing in front of him, he didn't let that deter him from not making an impact. That dude was blocking punts, returning, you know, uh, punt returns for, for for touchdowns. He was figuring out ways to be a, a really good playmaker uh, in special teams. And we all know that special teams is important. And I think at the very least, Tanner Muse is going to have an impact in that regard. So uh, good news for Tanner that he's going to be back here in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahudar. Keep the calls coming. We'll talk to you on the other side. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Just responding to a tweet right now. Somebody asked me on Twitter, is there any chance if the Raiders traded up in the first round to draft a young quarterback, like maybe a Trey Lance, um, to with Derek Carr's contract coming up? Um, and I was trying to find the right kind of no, 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 no. That's not happening. They're not trading um, for a quarterback. In that first round, and uh, they may draft a quarterback. I'm not ruling that out at all. Um, when you think about, when you look at the Raiders' depth chart at quarterback, Marcus Mariota is here, but he's only here for one more year. If that, uh, I would imagine that at some point there might be some teams uh, that are looking at uh, Marcus Mariota as potentially somebody that can help them out this year. And uh, I know that you know Marcus Mariota has some control of that situation uh, with a um, you know. Uh, uh, he has a no-trade clause in the contract reportedly. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he can't get traded. What he's saying basically is, all right, I'll take the pay cut um, from $10.7 to $3.7 million. However, uh, now that I am uh, an even more attractive trade piece because I'm not making as much money, uh, I don't want you to just send me anywhere. And nothing against uh, my good friends in Detroit, but if you're Marcus Mariota, you might be saying, I don't want to go to Detroit. I don't want to go to Jacksonville to be uh, Trevor Lawrence's backup. I don't want to go here or there. Uh, oh, the Chicago Bears, uh, you know, aren't happy with uh, their quarterback situation. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going to Chicago. So, yeah, uh, we could do that. Uh, the Washington Football Club, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's not working out. Uh, yeah, wouldn't mind uh, going there. So it gives Marcus Mariota some control. So, anyway, we there's that, right? Um so he is on the con- he's on under contract for one more year, and like we just said, if that uh, Nathan Peterman is is still here, so um, you know uh, he's been here for a couple of years, but there's no long range contingency plan uh, for Derek Carr. Now I'm not saying the Raiders are going to draft his heir apparent. I'm not saying that at all, uh, but it's never a bad thing to develop a young quarterback. Uh, a that quarterback, you, you know, you have him under contract for the next four years as Derek Carr's backup, somebody that you're going to be able to develop. 
Um, you know, uh, John Gruden could get his hands on him and uh, kind of mold him into the kind of quarterback that he's uh, envisioning so that if something were to happen, you'd have an in-house option uh, that you're comfortable with and a young quarterback uh, that, that you're comfortable with as Derek Carr's backup. Uh, the New England Patriots have also shown uh, that it's never – they were never trading Tom Brady, were they? Yet it didn't stop him from drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. Didn't stop him from drafting J- uh, Jacoby uh, Brissett. Didn't stop him uh, from, from drafting Matt Castle. Uh, there's been some others as well. Uh, so they always understood the importance not just of having a good solid backup from an in-house option that you've drafted and developed, but somebody that, you know, Chances are he might get out on the field a couple games here, a couple games there if the quarterback goes down, gets hurt, whatever the case might be. And if he just so happens to have some good uh, performances, now all of a sudden teams are saying, hey, who's who's Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> you know, uh, he's he wouldn't be a bad option um, and, and trade something of value for a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Jacoby Brissett or whoever the case uh, might be. There's precedent uh, for something like that. You know who got traded for a second-round pick, believe it or not? Way back in the day. Yeah, a guy by the name of Brett Favre <laughs> was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, and you know uh, that it didn't work out in Atlanta. I forget how many years he was there. I think it was just one year. Uh, but the next thing you know, he got gets traded to the Green Bay Packers, and um, you know was was a backup for for part of one season, and all of a sudden the starter gets hurt, and there goes Brett Favre uh, to the Green Bay Packers. So just because. You know, it, it, for for the Raiders, if you're thinking about drafting a young quarterback to develop behind Derek Carr as his backup, uh, and maybe who knows what the future might hold if that guy, if that player turns out to be really good, maybe he is the heir apparent uh, to Derek Carr, or maybe he's just somebody that you know gets on the field periodically and and puts out some some good tape, and somebody's willing to say, hey, you know, we'll give you a third round pick for him, we'll give you a, a second round pick for him. There's plenty of history of that happening uh, in the NFL. Matt Hasselbeck, didn't he? He was with the Green Bay Packers and, and then got traded to the uh, Seattle Seahawks, uh, if I remember correctly. I have to check that out. So uh, there were quarterbacks at the Green Bay Packers drafted behind uh, Brett Favre a, few, a couple of times that ended up going you know, other places, getting traded to other, other places. Uh, obviously, they drafted um, Aaron Rodgers, and he ended up being the heir apparent. Uh, to to Brett Favre, so yeah, there's. I, but I wouldn't think that they were gonna they're, they're gonna trade up for him. Uh, I think it's a big year. Let's 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 not you know uh, uh, sugarcoat it. This is a big year for the Raiders. It's a big year for John Gruden uh, and this staff. Um, you know, there's there's patience that's being shown. That's why Brett or uh, John Gruden got that ten year contract. I think uh, everyone in this building here in Henderson understood back in 2018 that this was going to be a tall order to get it right. Um, you know, this, the, the, the plan or the vision wasn't to just, hey, slap a Band-Aid on it. Let's get some wins under our belt. Uh, let's go, you know, you know, make a playoff run real quick, you know, with some veteran players and, you know, and, 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 and do something for the short term at perhaps, um, you know, the, the, the you know, uh, risking the long term. Um, but that's what the Raiders have been doing for, you know, Far too long. And I think Mark Davis understood it's not working. How we've been doing it just isn't working. Um, So what he decided was he'd rather have uh, long-term success or give somebody that he respected and believed in, and that's John Gruden, uh, a long enough contract in order to get it right. And I know everyone just focuses on the money, uh, but to me – you know, there's a lot of laziness when people um, interpret things and read into things, and they read into things extremely lazily, and they just hone in on the obvious. Oh, it's so much money. Uh, you know, it was a money grab. It wasn't a money grab. It was, if I'm going to come back, I want to be able to come back to a situation where I know I've got time to do it right. And Mark Davis said, if I'm going to go down this road with John Gruden, who I want to be here, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to give him the time that's necessary to get it right. Not for short-term success, but to build a foundation that can 
put this franchise in a position to be able to win on the long haul. I know that's I know that it's so obvious to look at. It's a 10-year contract and, you know, $100 million. Oh my gosh, it's just, you know, uh, silliness. But they're not looking at the reasons that you do that. And I got to say, I, I'm, I'm doing a story right now uh, that's going to come out during the draft for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. That's my day job. I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And, you know, it's just – the gist of the story is, is, is kind of power structures, how, how power structures are set up um, in, the, in the NFL. Sometimes it's the head coach who has the final say. Sometimes it's a general manager who has a, some, uh, the final say. Sometimes it's kind of convoluted where you don't really know uh, who, who has the final say. I heard some interesting stories from a team that will at this point remain uh, nameless where a few years ago they didn't have a – established power structure, like who had the final say. And some of the people that I've been talking to around the league, um, it's imperative that you define somebody who has or designate somebody who has the final call. Uh, You know, not to say that that person has to be power hungry and have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. Uh, And anyone who thinks that, the wrong person for the job. Um, But and the right way to do it is to is to talk things out, have get a consensus, um, have a collaborative effort between your scouts, your general manager, your head coach, whoever, and and whoever's part of that process needs to have a voice, needs to be listened to, respected, and heard. Uh, everyone should be able to uh, feel comfortable about sharing their thoughts, their ideas, uh, and it doesn't matter if they can get rowdy in those meeting rooms where guys are, you know, and, 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 and guys and gals that are, that are part of it slamming their hands on the desk, arguing for what they think is right. That's all fine and good. In fact, it's healthy and it's positive. Sometimes the best decisions come out of that collaborative effort. Uh, but uh, – the way it has to happen ultimately is that it's 99% collaboration, but 1% somebody has to make the final call. You have to be able to have that. Uh, you have to give somebody that power to be the ultimate decider. Uh, otherwise, you have, and it was expressed to me today in talking to somebody, you know, if, if too many people think that they have the power or the ear, of the owner, let's say, uh, you know, um, then you just have chaos. You need to have a direct line owner, the person that's making the final call, and then everyone that helps get him to that point or her to that point. That's how the great uh, leaders do it. And in, in John Gruden's case here in, uh, in in Las Vegas, John Gruden has the final say uh, on personnel matters. Um, but um, he he from everything that I've been that that that, that I'm hearing. Uh, and there's old scouting reports out there uh, about about John and, and you know, uh, could be a little bit maniacal, falls in and out of love with, you know, players and, you know, always wants to go with the veteran players rather than the young players. Well, um, all I ask people to do is let's look at the facts here <laughs> these last couple of years. Uh, only wants veteran players. The Raiders are one of the youngest teams in the NFL. If you, in case you haven't noticed, always wants his guy was immediately upon getting hired, going to trade Derek Carr, get rid of Derek Carr to go get his guy. It's 2021. Derek Carr is not only here, he is the established quarterback uh, and, and the trusted uh, partner of John Gruden moving forward. Where's the John Gruden that everyone said was falling in and out of love with players and only relying on, only wanted veteran players, doesn't want to play any young players? I haven't seen that John Gruden. And I'm here to tell you, in talking to some people in the NFL, that's probably, there's a sign of two couple things. You know, people evolve. People grow up a little bit. People figure out, hey, maybe that wasn't the right way to do it the way I did it 15 years ago. Um, you know, uh, I need to change. So people get better. They evolve. Uh, the good ones do. But it's also a sign that John Gruden has security. John Gruden understands that there's a right way to do it. 
it's no guarantee the way the the way that we're we are doing it is going to get us to the Super Bowl. Nobody can guarantee anything like that. But we feel good about how we're going about it, and we're going to take the necessary time to get this to a point where it's a long range proposition in terms of success rather than a short term. And sometimes. Doing that means sacrificing something, not sacrificing, but struggles along the way because you're trying to get it right, right. Not just right, but right, right. And so the John Gruden that was in a rush to go just go get veteran players and win right now, win right now. Let's just win right now. Forget the future. Let's win right now by getting older players and more veteran players and more experienced players. That John Gruden has not existed here with the Raiders the second time around. The John Gruden here is playing young players uh, left and right. <laughs> I mean, last year that, that, that defense was probably one of the young, maybe the youngest uh, defense in the NFL. So, and it, and it just goes to show that um, he's like, okay, you know, um, we have to invest in these young players in playing time even if it means some struggles along the way because we believe that these players are going to be good eventually and not just be good, be very good. And we're willing to put that time in. And I know that I'm going to be here to see it on the other side. It might not work out. There's no guarantees that it'll work out. When we get back uh, on the other side, I'll talk about a conversation that I had um, with Pete Carroll uh, when he took over the Seattle Seahawks and he had final say. And what he told me about, I'm not so sure this is going to work, but this is how I feel it has to be. Uh, we'll talk about that on the other side, but um, interesting to hear some thoughts outside of the building here in Henderson about how John Gruden is going about things right now. Uh, it's not the old John Gruden. That, that scouting report is no longer, no longer exists. And part of the reason why is because he's got security and he feels that he's got the necessary time to get this right. It may not turn out right. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody has can guarantee anything. But he has the time and the security to do it as he sees fit. And part of that is investing time and 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 you know in order to, to get this right in a right kind of a way. You're in the huddle with Eddie Monsieur brought to you by Tequila and Buffer. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, going back to look at uh, Pete Carroll, his first couple of years back, um, when he came back with the uh, with Seattle, and um, first year was seven and nine, seven or eight and eight, no seven and nine, seven and nine, and then they go out and get a guy by the name of uh, Russell Wilson, and and all of a sudden they're eleven five. But there were two years where it was just okay, and they're drafting a bunch of young players and 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 getting better and and those drafts of 2010 and 2011 even though it didn't show immediate results those first couple of years um it got them to a point where now they plug in Russell Wilson and away they go and if you look at the Raiders and what they've been doing with you know uh it's it, there's been gradual progress uh it, just go look at the records these last 3 years they've steadily gotten a little bit better um Obviously, it hasn't happened as quickly as fans would hope. But again, um, going back to the to the conversation about John Gruden and some of how you know people around the league are are viewing him, it's kind of like he understands that there's time that he has security to be able to make decisions that might um, not result in short term success, but could put the Raiders in position to be. Um, viable contenders for a long period of time because what they're trying to do is build primarily through the draft. Now, a lot of that is predicated now on some of these young players making big steps, taking big step forwards. Uh, there's nothing to suggest that, you know, any of these guys can't do that. Uh, DeMond was, was railing during the break about Jonathan Abram. 
Um, you know, obviously Jonathan Abram needs to get better, uh, but and I think this is an important year for Jonathan Abram uh, because now he's in a different system with a different coaching staff. I think a better defensive line. I think he learned a lot of lessons last year uh, that you know, uh, in some of the reckless ways that he played football. Um, if he can learn from that, he's got the talent to be a good football player, but he has to do it. And we'll see if in this system with, you know, Gus Bradley um, and, and with a better defensive line in front of him and, and you would think a better linebacker crew in front of him if Corey Littleton, you know, gets his act together, uh, that that's going to help him back there. And there isn't a secondary in the NFL that's worth anything if there's a bad defensive line in front of them. It just it doesn't work that way. You can't ask guys to cover for extended periods of time over and over and over again. Um, now, Jonathan Abram uh, has to – there's things that he did last year that had nothing to do with the defensive line. Um, he just needs to, to eliminate those issues from the game. And they're not physical issues. He's got all the physical attributes that you need to excel at that position. He can run. He can hit. He's physical. Um, I think playing closer to the line of scrimmage where and 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 defending in in smaller spaces, which that's what he's going to be asked to do in the system, is going to help him tremendously. Uh, but now he's got it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, now he has to deliver. And you know, I think Devon, do, do you want to? Is there something that you wanted to share at all? Um, about what exactly? Well, what were we talking about during the break? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, it was just on that last segment there. You're just like, it's just almost, it's just giving Gruden just like too much of the benefit of the doubt of him needing time or because me, it just seems like he has all the time in the world to just like not, not say mess up, but just throw whatever at the wall and just see, see what sticks. Yeah. And but I, I like, mean, oh, that is work. that what you think is happening? You know, uh, they've, 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 they've invested, you know, I, I don't see that they're just throwing things out there. You know, they they're they're they've addressed the secondary, they've addressed the defensive line. Um, I you know, I think their offense is 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 last year was one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, there's some ways to improve that, obviously, and I think that uh, bringing in some of the help that they've brought in uh, will will can help that has a chance to help that. I think defensively, obviously, defensively, they've been a year behind uh, the offense uh, throughout. And it's time for that to change. And that means some of these younger players that they've drafted getting better. I think coaching needs to improve. And, you know, uh, I think there's a conventional wisdom that, that Gus Bradley will. But I don't see that they're just throwing things up against the wall, hoping that it sticks. I think there's there's definitely been a plan. They've invested high draft picks in cornerback. They've invested a high draft pick at safety. They've in dra- uh, invested uh, – high draft picks on the defensive line. They went out and got uh, Yannick Ngakwe. They knew all throughout last year this isn't getting it done with this pass rush, obviously. That is first and foremost. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard from this building, somewhere in this building in Henderson, first and foremost, got to get that pass rush in order next year. And I think – you know, unless Ngakwe just forgets how to play football, I think he's going to address that. So that, to me, is a good move. And the moves that they've made on the defensive line has 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 been good. I just don't get the I don't get that any kind of a notion that they're just throwing things up against a wall and hoping it hoping it sticks. Devon, uh, maybe I'm just not as optimistic because it's just those things where you say they address the secondary, or just one signing of Carl Joseph. I don't think that that's enough addressing. It's, I. Obviously, and I don't think that they're. I mean, but but again, it's it's April. It's we haven't even seen the draft yet. You have to wait to see what happens in the. If they get a Richie Grant that they could plug in at starter, now are you seeing that? Yeah, they addressed this. They they did address the the secondary just because they haven't, you know, signed a a, a free. Yeah, uh, just because they haven't signed a. Um, you know, uh, made a big splash at free safety, and uh, doesn't mean that they're not, uh, you know, going to address it or have plans to address it. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation Western Line. Uh, Gangster Raider wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Gangster Raider? Gangster Raider, you with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, man. Can you hear me? I got you, brother. Yeah, I agree with Demond. It seems like he's just trying stuff and. 
You know what I mean? Just trying to make stuff stick. And I, and in this draft, please don't draft no more Clemson players. It seems like they fall in love with Clemson players, and the only ones that's really stepped up is Hunter Renfro and Clee. You know what I'm saying? Tanner Muse, even though you said about his foot or whatever, but that was a wasted draft pick unless he redeems himself this year. You know what I mean? And look at the um, what he does. He 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 the one that bought in Paul Gunther. He's the one that fired Coach Buckner and bought in Fraud Marinelli. He's the one that also um, are, 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 um, Trayvon Mullen went to Clemson. Trayvon Mullen has been a good, solid player, and I think he's his arrow is pointing up. So you know, yeah, he he he's been hit and miss off and on. But I wouldn't say um, he was a. Um, well, I guess you're right. You know what I'm saying? I, I guess he is one of you. Him, Clee, and um, Hunter Renfro. All yeah. the other Clemson players have been, you know, not what they've been advertised. Yeah, it's only been one. It's only it's only been one, and that's ten. Yeah, it's only been a two shoot. We need rough riders. You know what I'm saying? All this um, choir boys and stuff. We need more players like Incognito. You know, get back to the old Raiders. That's why I think we needed to bring in um, Earl Thomas. You know what I'm saying? We don't need a bunch of choir boys. That's why we only gonna win seven games. Eight games. That's why I'm glad to go into 17 um, games because eight games will not be a winning season. Or, or you know, say so you need to win more than eight games to have a non-losing season. You understand what I'm saying? And Gruden just trying stuff. Like he's just throwing against the wall. It won't stick. And I think he's affecting um, Mike Mayock because Mike Mayock was an adult. Seemed like when he first came to the organization, but Gruden's immaturity has bled into him, and it seems like the only adult in the building now is Mark Davis. You know what I'm saying? So what's it um, gonna? All right, what's it? I I I I, I get that you and Demont obviously are are in a rush to judgment on these on these on these young players. I mean, you know, you're you're talking about. No, sec- think about it. He was a, he, he got traded in the first place because Al Davis saw that he didn't know. How forget to about all that. About forget for, forget about all that. Uh, are, 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 forget about all that. Um, you know, it just seems it just like, like he proved Al Davis right. It seems like he's proven Al Davis okay, right. For, Al Davis saw that he wasn't the coach. That's why he traded him, and he's still coming back doing all this stupid stuff. And we still have one. But what? Won what stupid? What stupid? He been here. What stupid stuff are you talking about? Fire! I mean, first bringing in Paul Gunther. That was dumb. He uh, he hadn't been really a good Paul. All right, so so. Did, hold up! Did firing um, Buckner? Why would you fire Buckner when that was the best part of our defense? The defense, the defensive line was the best part of our defense when he was here. You fire him, bring in Fraud Marinelli, and that sabotaged the whole defense. And everybody wants, oh, that's not on Gruden. Everybody seems like Gruden is absolved from that. That's Gruden exactly. I don't. Uh, yeah, Gruden. I think I think obviously the Gunther decision was it didn't work out. No question about it. The Buckner decision to and I don't. I'm not with you on that. I'm not with you on that. I I I. I well, I'm what a, did Fraud Marinelli do? How Wait. many sacks did our um, defensive line have this year? We regressed, and that sabotaged the whole defense. And can you see that? Uh, yes, the, the defense, the defensive line didn't get the job done. But I'm and not. That was Gruden. That's because of Gruden. That was Gruden's decision. Everybody want to absolve Gruden and everything. And he's the one. I'm not. I'm not. Shot. I'm not absolving him of any decisions uh, uh, of that. But what has he done good? What has he done good that worked? Uh, is Derek Thank Carr? You. Is Derek Carr a good quarterback? Better quarterback well, than he, he was. He didn't draft Derek Carr. He, Derek, Derek Carr was there when he got there. That was from the previous. You're, oh, oh, so you're just, you're just. You're just. It's just strictly. Team. It's just strictly who he brought in. That's all. You're. You're, you're not. How how yeah, guys the got coached. He brought in the players and the coaches. All right, uh, Derek Carr. Work. Derek Carr is a better quarterback today than when he was when when John Gruden uh, got here. The guy yeah, that he, everyone he, thought he, was going to get he, traded. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Jo- I guess Josh Jacobs is nothing. I mean, Darren Waller. Forget about Darren Waller. I mean, anybody could have gotten Darren Waller. It was just so happened to be John Gruden who got him from off the scrap heap from the Baltimore. We're not going to give John Gruden okay, any credit, any credit that. for that's Darren that's Waller. Hunter yeah. Renfro. Oh, uh, Hunter Hunter Renfro. I guess you know. Forget about him. I said Hunter Our, Renfro. I said the, um, the only two good dudes from Clemson. Was so Clemson. you're already right enough. You're already writing off last year's draft class and the year before that draft class. You're just writing them off. This is it's a, the, well, in, in gangster raiders mind. In gangster raiders mind, if you're not an all pro uh, or, or or a productive player within your first or second year, you're just a bust, right? Is that what you're saying? No, I, I'm not saying you're a bust. I'm just saying that it has, is it working? You know, so we've been getting the same thing over year after year. We get players; they do all right. They're not. You know they're not world beaters, but they just all right, and we still get. But is there is there any point That's in time where you thing. go? Is there any point in time where you go? Hey, it's there's also something to be said about just having some patience in letting young guys develop. Is that any part of the plan that you have? 
Or does it have to happen right now? And if it doesn't happen right now, it's just a mistake. And somebody needs to be blamed for that. Or do you have any part of you that says, hey, you know, there's been some successes. There's there, there, uh, a guy like Damon Arnett ha, ha, has a future, but are you ready to write? Are you writing him up? You're writing Tanner Muse off because he had a toe injury that cost him all last season. But no, he's a goody two shoot. Look at us as a team. As a team, we're getting further and further back. That's not the true. Chargers You're actually getting closer and closer and closer. The in the division, the Chargers you were th- have passed us up. They got a better quarterback than we have. And what was the record team. against the division last year? We was, I think, four and two. And you should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So five and one. I mean, let's just say we'll say what it is. Four and two is getting further and further away from the division. But look, if it wasn't if it wasn't for that last second um, play by Isaiah Johnson, we'd have got swept by the Chargers. A rookie quarterback. They made the play. They won the game. They won the game. They won the football game. They could have called interception. But you're saying they're getting further and further away from the division, yet they were four and two against their division last year. They were they were they were seconds away from from winning three other games. Obviously, they didn't get it done. In my mind, they weren't ready to get it done last year. But that doesn't mean they're not getting closer. You you keep saying they're getting further and further away. When I'm talking about in the division, we getting passed up. You were four and two. You were four and two. You should have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs twice. If you look at it realistically, the Chargers have a better team than us. They have a better quarterback. They got a better defense, and they got a better secondary. Think about it. They the the Raiders. The Raiders were seconds away from beating the Chargers twice last year, and you keep telling me that the Chargers are just flat out better. They swept the Denver Broncos last year. They should have swept the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I'm not saying they're on the Kansas City Chiefs level, but I am saying in two games where the Kansas City Chiefs were at full strength, the Raiders were seconds away from sweeping the Kansas City Chiefs. Beat them at full strength in Kansas City. No other team except for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl can make that claim. So I'm not buying that they're getting further and further away from the division. I'm just not. Nothing shows, nothing proves that. They were 4-2 and two against the division last year. Should have been 5-1. and one. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.